right, welcome to the Not Quite Compassion Podcast. This is episode number 30, entitled Post-Christian with Stacey Lawless. And Stacey and I go way back all the way to uh, Christian College, Northwest University, and uh, dear friends for a long, long time. Um, while I um, still identify as a Christian, Stacy no longer does. And we just have a, just a really great conversation about um, what spirituality looks like like for her after Christianity, what spiritual practices does she use? How does she find wholeness and um, health? And um, and also tackle a lot of like the um, the misnomers around uh, when someone changes a, uh, a belief that like somehow people quickly are to revert to this idea like oh they never really were a Christian. No, Stacy was absolutely. I can give you firsthand evidence of that. <laughs> or since they're no longer a Christian, are they just no longer spiritual? That's not true either, um, especially when you broaden the lens of spirituality to be beyond some deity in the sky, but to actually more significant matters of of, um, of what, how do you find purpose and meaning, love and relationship. Um, and Stacy explains all that I, in a really much um, sweeter way than I am in this intro. <laughs> she just has uh, this zero angst, I think, towards... Um, what she used to believe or those who believe it, um, but just has found a new path and a new way of um, of moving towards wholeness that I just really, really have grown to appreciate and respect. So um, enjoy. Okay. Hi, Stacy. I'm here with uh, Stacy Lawless, a long, long, long time friend. Um, and uh, I just thanks so much for, for being willing to do this. You and I have been um, through a ton. Like we've changed a ton and we still maintain a friendship throughout all, which I think I that alone is a miracle. So uh, hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's been I think 22 years now. I was doing the math this morning. 22 years since we were Shit. little baby college students. <laughs> I um so yeah, we both went to Northwest University. I um I think our our first year there together too, we had like a bunch of different classes together. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, we did some ministry together. We uh, did yeah, some canvassing right. at local high schools. We were helping support a local youth group that was kind of on its you know, struggling a little bit. And yeah, that's right. I remember going down to Denny's that Denny's in the oh, corner yeah. there to study. Uh-huh. Cause that was the only place that was open past like nine o'clock mm-hmm. at the curfew or whatever at Northwest. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about Eileen in like probably 15 years. Oh my gosh. The waitress <laughs> that would always like know what we'd order and have it on the table. Yeah. Oh man. That's taking it back. These poor college kids that just aren't going to tip. But <laughs> No, no, we're going to order seasoned fries and we're going to order one cup of coffee and have 18 refills and that's it. So oh, bless Eileen, wherever she is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so that's that was us. We were just highly steeped in Christianity and evangelicalism and ministry and, um, and we both have changed a ton. Um, and I wanted to have you share a, a kind of your story and, and where you're at now primarily because it just... Um, cause I got a lot of questions and I, and I, and I've always admired your, um, 
your desire for truth and authenticity throughout all of it, I guess, just to be like, you're just very upfront of this is where I'm at and this is what I'm not sure about. And that's okay. Like there's a real Mm -hmm. sense of, um, of security. I think that I, I have always appreciated about you. Oh, well, thank you. I haven't always felt that security, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I feel really grateful for where I'm at now. Um, it, it took a bit to get here. Um, I'm really fortunate in that my husband, uh, we come from the same background. We, um, we met in the, we met at community college, but then realized we went to the same youth group. So, I mean, we have very much the same background and to be able to have landed in a similar place has been one of the best gifts um, because there's that shared understanding of where we're coming from, but also we're able to kind of engage with each other. And, you know, even just this past week and kind of thinking through today, um, it's just been really great to have a sounding board and kind of bounce things off of him. And yeah, it's just been really good. And and where would that place be? How would you just describe that? Um, When I'm feeling really brave, um, I use the word atheist, but I still choke on it a bit <laughs> because of, you know, how I was raised to think about atheists or secular people. Um, I really like the term secular humanist um, because I do believe very much in people's potential. Um, but I find that that's a word that doesn't really, most people don't really think about any meaning behind that word. So I, I tend to shy away from it, even though it might be the most accurate. Hmm. And um how has that been for you in that change, but then also like with, with having kids and share a little bit about like, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people, when they hear where I'm at now, they question if I ever had, you know, a deep connection to Jesus or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So a little bit of my story might be slightly helpful. Um, I was, literally born on Thursday and in an AG church on Sunday. (laughs) So I grew up in the Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, charismatic, um, and being a really uh, conscientious firstborn kid, I took it really, really seriously. Um, Yes, I was born into it, but I also really engaged with it on my own and, um, you know, very much wanted to please God, wanted to please Jesus. I always think I had a really tender heart towards God. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of where I started out and to have landed where I am now, it's, it makes me laugh all the time because I, the likelihood of me ending up here just seems so slim. (laughs) Um, and it was a bumpy road to get here, but I, I feel much more at peace now, much more comfortable in my own skin. Um, you know, I did the whole, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Why do why do people you think pull that move of like seeing someone change their their mind or or to away from Christianity to atheism agnosticism? It, it really yeah. could kind of be. I don't. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. It could be it, probably anything, but their their oftentimes their their reaction to it, their knee jerk reaction is, oh, they never really were were saved, or they yeah. weren't really a Christian, right? Like quote unquote. Um, why, why do you think that exists? Why, why do people tend to respond sure. that way? Well, and, and also, I, and also, I guess, second question would be, and how, how's that feel to, to yeah. be told that? <laughs> so I think, uh, I think people really want to believe 
you know, and, and folks believe very sincerely, like they really want to believe that somebody couldn't engage with scripture and with the community of, of Christians. They want to believe that nobody could truly engage with it and then decide that it wasn't for them or that they didn't believe it was true. People want to believe that, um, that their specific faith, um, that it would be attractive to everybody and that, and that nobody would ever turn their back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that's probably why it's so threatening is like if somebody can really engage with it and really, you know, wholeheartedly pursue it and then decide very wholeheartedly not to pursue it. I think that it, it feels, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but it, it, it feels threatening, I would say. Yeah. Um, and for me, like how it feels, you know, it doesn't feel amazing because it, it does feel unintentionally condescending <laughs> to be yeah, like, that's a good you know, if it. you yeah. really thought about it, you would never choose something different. Um, but I also, you know, I have the luxury of being able to remember who I used to be. And I probably said very similar things. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I see my, you know, um, I Once see saved, myself. always saved if you're saved. Yes. I see myself in people. So I, I'm not always great at it. Um, but I try to have, I try to have a lot of patience with folks and a lot of grace for people because they're me like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, um, and honestly it comes from a place of concern. It comes from a place of like, I want you to not go to hell, (laughs) you know, it comes very much from a place of like, I care about you, you know, so, you know, people aren't meaning to be unkind. It's just, if you haven't kind of moved beyond your own religious bubble, it can be hard to understand why somebody might come to a different conclusion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And what's, so being a, a secular humanist or atheist, or even I, I would dare to put that under an overall umbrella of like kind of post-Christian, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. If there, if there is a God, definitely not the God that I was taught about growing up. You know what I mean? Like I'm open, but I just, I don't really have any, any evidence and I'm kind of comfortable with the not knowing, I guess. So what's, what's spirituality look like for you then? Yeah. Um, so, and I, and just for the, to remind the listener, when I talk mm -hmm. about spirituality, I'm not talking about, uh, liturgy necessarily, or I'm, I'm talking about a larger concept of spirituality of meaning, purpose, relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because coming from the background that I did, I think Christianity will always somewhat inform some of my values um, yeah. in terms of um, gratitude and grace. Um, you know, those are still key values in my life. It's just, they're not connected to this um, specific religion. Um, you know, I was asked once, you know, well, how are you grateful if you have nobody to great, be grateful for or mm-hmm. be grateful to? Just, uh, and, yeah. yeah, and I, and, and the person who said it to me was not a person who had studied like religious philosophy or anything like that. It was just an honest question. And, you know, honestly, I'm just glad to be here. You know, I'm thankful to be a thinking person on this planet at this period of time. I mean, maybe not the last year, but <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful to be here. Um, and I, you know, 
I still, I, I remember when I first kind of started taking those tentative steps away from what I was raised to believe, wondering, you know, will I lose my sense of awe? You know, will mm. I lose my sense of wonder? And I think I'm about eight years on from, uh, from that initial realization that, that I was not a Christian. Um, I don't think I've lost my sense of wonder or my sense of awe mm. at all. In fact, you know, the, the, the first year after I was like, I don't believe this. Um, I remember having lots of fear that I was like going to get a car accident and die and go to hell because of, you know, where I'd landed. Mm -hmm. But once that fear sort of receded, it kind of, because I wasn't living for a future life, it made this one like incredibly precious to me. I wasn't living for paradise. I wasn't living for heaven. Mm -hmm. It made my life here and now so incredibly precious in a way that it had not been before. It was like, it was like somebody had turned up the saturation. Everything was brighter. Everything was fuller. It actually turned up the gratitude for me um, because I wasn't kind of putting all my eggs in that future heaven basket. It was about the life that I live here and now, the decisions that I make, the people I love, you know, what, what I accomplish here became much more important. That is a problem. I mean, speaking as someone still who still identifies as a Christian, Mm-hmm. That is a problem I, I see is if if I had to be crude and reductionistic, I'd have to conclude that so much of religion is ultimately selfish because I'm doing it for some reward, whether uh, temporal or immediate or or um, or if not, then eternal, right? i'm I'm doing mm-hmm. these good things so that I go to the good place. Um, or to avoid punishment in the bad place. Too. Yeah. There's a lot of that in there too. Mm-hmm. But if you wipe the slate clean and you don't have those eternal punishments or rewards, it does have a way, I think, potentially of purifying your motives. I think so. Well, and, you know, in my initial stages, like I said, of tiptoeing out, um, there was a lot of fear there because if you've been raised uh, very typically evangelical conservative, um, you know, the way I was, there's a, there's a real pushback towards uh, thinking for yourself um, towards, you know, any education that might challenge what you've been raised to believe. There's, there's lots of pushback towards that individual thought Mm -hmm. and, um, I remember being so afraid that I would not be able to have a meaningful morality, have a meaningful set of ethics that I wouldn't be able to pass them on to my children. Um, that was a really, really big fear. Um, but what I found is that that was completely untrue. You know, I can, I can want to treat others the way I want to be treated without any connection to a spiritual being or fear of punishment hope of a reward um you know my actions now are more dictated by am i hurting somebody Hmm. um am i helping somebody that in and of itself becomes my reward versus punishment uh setup i'm not there's not this external force it's you know and i and i talk to my kids about this like they understand the golden rule completely and they don't have any concept of 
religion beyond like different sets of myths and stuff like that. Like they understand what it means to treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, and that's something honestly that I, I know that uh, which, when we're which baby, myths have their own really great power, like for sure removed yeah. completely from all the trappings of religion. Yeah. <laughs> I was, um, sorry to interject, but I was just thinking, no, about, you're like, totally fine. I'll, I'll the, wander and ramble forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of, again about the double edged sword of, of a morality based upon religion is, um, is yeah, it was the way it was framed to us, right? It was like that oh, if you're not a Christian, you have no morality, and where's your anchor? Absolutely, you go, yeah. but like the, the, the double edged sword of that, the, the um, dark underbelly is you know, the, the couple that's like, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would never have stayed together. You're like, <laughs> shit, man, you don't like. Do you don't realize how that Without makes you Jesus, feel? I would have murdered like, my whole family. Like, yeah, what? you're just you're just white knuckling this thing, you know. Where I think there is something to like, if you take Jesus or whatever you want, and this this <laughs> reason for morality out of your uh, out of the formula, and then you still turn to your partner, or even you still turn to do good work works just for the sake of doing good works, or or just because you just love them, not because you're obligated to be with them because of uh the the old guy in the sky will might smite you if you're not i mean it has a way of like really rekindling some sweetness to the whole point of relationship and morality and you know you want to you want to hear something sick yeah yeah (laughs) one of the reasons that i started well you know i think for everybody their their own journey is unique and stuff like that but for me it looked like you know um an internship falling apart, taking a step back because my feelings were hurt because that happens to all of us. And then coming back to the church, like six months later, you know, I just took a break. I just needed to heal. It was fine. Coming back six months later and completely hearing the language differently, like insiders versus outsiders, saved versus unsaved. I'd never had a chance to really think about those terms because I was so used to them and they were reinforced like every single week. Um, so, there was kind of that initial step that gave me a break, but also I started, I, the character of Jesus in the Bible is still really oddly important to me because of how he turned the power structures on their heads. Like I started stepping away from the church because I felt like this doesn't seem like Jesus to me. Like this doesn't seem like Jesus to me at all. Like he was welcoming all these people in here he was the one that was reaching out to them. He wasn't saying, Hey, well, if you haven't done these particular steps, then you're not welcome. He was the guy that was welcoming the outsiders. Mm-hmm. And it, I always had a really tender heart towards outsiders. And I grew frustrated that I felt like the church wasn't welcoming the people that I felt Jesus would have. Mm-hmm. So it's bizarre, but like mm-hmm. looking for Jesus was kind of what led me away from the church and eventually away from Christianity, the religion. Like, I mean, I, I still, um, I still really am moved by some of the stories of Jesus in the Bible. Um, I just don't subscribe to all of the religious trappings around it, if that makes sense. Like, and so it's super sick, but looking for Jesus is what led me away from Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I really do. Um, for me, it's, I think one of the, the best things for me 
in in the in the, the li- little amount of time I spend reading the Bible nowadays has, has at least been to st- stop framing it in categories of sinner and saint and more in oppressor and oppressed. Mm-hmm. That's helped oh, wow. maintain things a little bit for me. Yeah, I, that's I, powerful. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I don't I'm if I'm honest, I'm trying to figure out is that a band-aid? <laughs> but it has been helpful. So Hey, you know what? Like you use that crutch until you don't need it anymore. Like I mean yeah, yeah. honestly, I don't I don't I don't have any um I don't have any judgment for people who are honestly rec- like and vulnerably reckoning with their faith. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have anything um I'm not disappointed by people who are wrestling with their faith, but still identify as Christians. Like for me, the thing that's most important is, are you living in good faith? Like, are you wrestling with these things that you're, that you've grown up believing or in your case, I know you came to it a little bit older, but are you actively thinking about what the words that you're saying mean? Are you thinking about their impact? Like, it's really easy to assume that, you know, uh, you know, one of my earliest big jumps was, you know, about hell and, and about who gets into heaven and all these things. And, you know, hell becomes a very different place when you start thinking about the fact that people, you know, might go there, you know, it becomes mm-hmm. a very different, like yeah. actively thinking about, Oh, well, this percentage of the world is Christian. This percentage of the world is not. That means that logically, if I'm following the tenets of my faith, these people, sorry, you're out of luck. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think if you haven't taken the time to really, and I want to stay away from being condescending, you know, in the same way that people assume that I haven't grappled with, with Jesus, if I turned out to be who I am today, I don't want to assume that people haven't grappled with it, but I, I have lots of admiration for the courage of people who are actively looking at what they believe. And in some ways, like really courageously taking steps away from kind of the, um, indoctrination and the, you know, I was listening to your interview with, um, with Benji and I, I was just kind of blown away because both of you guys were in ministry as paid professions and your own, uh, your own convictions ended up leading you out of that. That's tremendous risk. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, it's your income, it's your livelihood, it's your identity. Um, you know, those aren't light things to toss aside. Um, and I know for me, it took a long time. It was a lot of like two steps forward, one step back, trying to come back to what was comfortable, trying to put band-aids on. What can I accept? What, what logically can I just not, I can't be honest, um, intellectually and accept this particular belief system or whatever. For me, it was kind of a paring down, paring down, paring down. And then it was like, Oh, I actually don't. I found that, um, it wasn't that I thought that Christianity had no goodness to it Hmm. at all. Yeah. It was that I realized I could have the goodness without all the bad stuff that I found was harming people. Mm -hmm. I could, I could have the grace and the gratitude and all these things without the shame and the exclusion of others and being threatened by different people's beliefs. Like I I could have the good stuff without the bad, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was really long. No, you're fine. You're <laughs> fine. Can we talk about can we talk about parenting? 
as a, yes, as a, as a post-Christian? What, yes. What's that look like? Um, so I have three kids. They are, I have two boys, they're 10 and eight, and then my daughter's six. And uh, like I said, Justin and I are both um, post-Christian. Um, and at first I was pretty terrified. So when my first two were born, I was still a person of faith. I wasn't a traditional Christian. Like there, there were already some things that I'd sort of said, yeah, I don't buy that. Um, but in between number two and number three was when I was just like, you know, I just kind of confessed to Justin. I said, sweetie, I don't, we were out on a date. I was like, I don't know if I buy any of this anymore. And it was really vulnerable because I actually wasn't, we had discussed this and wrestled with it, but I wasn't totally sure where he was at. And I was oddly afraid of being unequally yoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And to my great relief, he said, Oh good. He said, I haven't bought any of this for years now. He's just said, I Aww. just, he said, I didn't want to influence where you were at because he said, I, I knew you were wrestling with it. And, um, Oh, that's so he said, sweet. I oh love you gosh. regardless of what you think. Like, I don't care what you think. I love you regardless. That guy. Um, he's lovely. He's really a lovely human. We, <laughs> we left out. Um, so, yeah. So we realized that we were on the same page, which was great. My big fear was like, how do I raise my kids with like a moral framework, with ethics, with values outside the church? Because honestly, the whole reason my parents came back to the church was right around the time I was born to raise me in the church. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, but I, I, there were little indicators that maybe, you know, even early on with the boys, you know, I had a family member who wanted to get the kids a, um, like a children's Bible. And they were asking if I thought that was okay. And I was like, I actually don't know what's like, what kind of stories are in it? And they were mm -hmm. like, what would be problematic in a children's Bible? I was like, well, crucifixion's kind of dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Noah's Ark, you know, that might give them my, like, as an adult, I was able to sort of engage with some of the d dark, weird things that I grew up believing, like, you know, being afraid that my family had been raptured without me and all these different things. Like I found myself oddly protective rather than wanting them to embrace Christianity. This was even early on. So anyway, um, you know, one article I remember being just pretty terrified. I think it was, um, I forget which newspaper it was in, but it was like, I think the title of it was like, how, um, how secular family values stack up. I think how, how secular family values stack up. Mm -hmm. And it was actually talking about how secular kids are just fine. You know, their parents, because they can't. Cause that's the rely. myth we were sold, right? We were, we were sold the idea that yeah. like, you know, your, your family unit will go to shit if you, <laughs> if you don't keep believing this and teaching it. Yeah. Myth slash lie. Yeah. Some of the things I do call be lies like, now because be they, sacrificing they do feel a pigeon like they in the backyard. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of stew. that, sorry, I'll stop. Is, no, you're <laughs> totally fine. A lot of that is control, right? Like we have to control you so that, um, so that everybody kind of falls in line. And, you know, there's a lot of different motivations behind church that I won't get into right now, but, um, basically the, the, the idea of the article was that, um, that because you're not reliant on the church to teach your kids values, you actually have to be really intentional about how you pass them on. Mm -hmm. and um and it talked about how the family relationship ended up often 
being closer because as the child gets exposed to different perspectives and different people, they're not kind of put in a place where they're trying to choose between who their family has said they can accept and who they can actually accept. Mm. Like they're not put in this place of con. I mean, every kid is going to have moments where they're fighting for their own independence and their own identity. And yeah, I'm really enjoying these sweet years in between when the kids can talk and go to the bathroom by themselves and when they're going to become teenagers and have a lot of those boundary pushing and stuff like that. My kids will not be immune from any of that. Yeah. Um, but I have found that so far, um, they're kind kids, you know, in some ways they're more sheltered than a lot of churchy kids that I know, you know, they're, mm. they're kind, they care about each other. Yeah. And we have a lot of conversations about these things because we can't rely on anybody else to teach them for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for my daughter, especially like, I am thrilled that, you know, she'll get a lot of messages about what she can and can't do as a woman as she gets older. Um, you know, our world is what it is, but I'm really thankful that she won't be getting those messages every Sunday. Yeah. Um, Mm, I, I feel, I mean, I felt protective of my boys because I felt like there's a lot of sort of toxic masculinity in the church. So I did want to protect them from that, but particularly for my daughter, you know, she thinks she can do anything. Hmm. And that wasn't the world that I grew up in at all. Yeah. There were limits on what kind of, uh, there were limits on, you know, what you could do in the church, especially cause I was really ministry involved. There were limits on what you could do. And there were, yeah. you know, you're kind of, as a woman, you're always sort of suspect. And I am thrilled for my daughter that whatever the world will throw at her, I won't be bringing her into that environment every single week. Hmm. How do you, have you had to navigate it all? I don't know, them getting invited to a youth group or a a church camp or, um, or even like a, you know, a a grandma wanting to go to church on Sunday with them. I mean, have you had to navigate that? Yeah, we we definitely have. Um, Where's where's the line of being against it or. um, Yeah. yeah. Oh man. And yeah. So a couple of things on that. Um, the first one is that, um, uh, you know, my, my mom is still a person of faith, but she's a very accepting person of faith. Um, you know, she has completely respected our boundaries. She doesn't proselytize to the kids when she's got them over for weekends or whatever. She's extremely respectful. And it's a good point. It's actually I, a boundary issue as well. I'm talking, I'm yeah, it's a boundary about, yeah. issue too. She is so ridiculously respectful. Um, I mean, you know, she's had family members from the other side of the family encourage her to like shun us. <laughs> hmm. And she's just like, you know, they can do what they want with their own kids, but nothing gets in between me and mine, which I give her tons of credit for because hmm. she's been a Christian all her life. And she has children who are not Christians and nothing gets in the way of her love for her children. So anyway, hmm. uh, she's kind of, she's kind of amazing. Um, so she's extremely respectful with the kids. Um, I think I, I would never say that it's easy for her. Um, because she's very much a person who believes in the traditional evangelical lines. Um, so I think it's hard for her, but she's chosen to set that aside for the sake of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that when you, when you are as ensconced in religion as I was, and then you leave, you lose a lot of relationships. You just do. Yeah. 
I'm really thankful that that's one that I didn't lose because that one's extremely important to me. Um, you know, my, um, and, and my dad, before he passed away, you know, he was still really tight with me too. And so I I'm grateful. Um, so, but then we have other family members who have, have definitely shunned us. Um, you know, they, it's kind of like getting us back into the fold at any cost. Like they, they pray for, they pray for God to allow bad things to happen to us so that we'll realize the error of our ways (sighs) and come back. (laughs) So we, you know, we see them less because, you know, we, we are very protective of the kids, but we were at a, at a grandparent's birthday party and um, it's a, it's a pity masquerading as actual compassion. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's been, almost, I would say militant, like it's, it's been rough. Um, but you know, like as adults with agency, we get to decide where our kids end up and and who they're around. And, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, we were at a birthday party and they prayed over the meal. Um, Justin's grandpa is actually an old, old pastor. So uh, they prayed over the meal and we don't have a problem with that. Like mm-hmm. I need to be better about letting my kids know what to do. Cause I don't think they really knew what to do. They're just kind of looking around <laughs> like, what? How do so I, I hold do- my hands? I want them to be, I want them to be respectful, but you know, um, so on the ferry ride home, my (laughs) eldest goes, mom, so do they believe in gods? Like God's plural. (laughs) And I was like, yes, lady, they do. And we, we talked a little bit about how lots of people believe in gods or a God and, and how we want to be respectful of, you know, of their ability to choose what they believe. Mm -hmm. Um, but that that doesn't mean that impacts what we choose to believe and then my middle boy goes yeah but where's the evidence for that and I just about die so you know we've exposed them to you know we've exposed them to a broad range of religious myths um you know cultural myths because they're not worthless right they're not worthless and I think it's important to understand the power of stories I mean I'm a writer like the power of stories is vital yeah um but we're just doing our best to raise them to um, uh, my thing, because I, I think I carry around some hurts. I tend to be like, they're never going to a church ever. And Justin's mm-hmm. like, you don't need, you, like, don't make it something that they want to push back against by being so like firm about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's like the rebellious I'm, thing was to go to church and then they'll want to. Yeah. Do right. Yeah. I know. Um, I, we talked about it a lot and I, I think I came to a place of just like trying to be really laid back about it because like, if you think about it for, for parents that raise their kids in the, in the church and then their kids leave the church, what those parents are afraid of is that their kids are going to hell as a secular person. If you know, one of my kids ends up hyper-religious, the thing I have to worry about is like awkward family dinners. So I kind of have to put it in perspective, like, Mm. Yeah. You know, I would prefer they avoid guilt and shame. Um, Like that would be really, I I would love for them to avoid that or to avoid something that asks them to give up their agency um, to follow like a giant. um, Like, honestly, honestly, if if they ended up Christian, but they were really thoughtful one and kind, I, I think I'd probably be fine. Um, but I don't want them to just kind of blindly subscribe to 
you know, the Bible says that that settles it. I believe it sort of thinking like I want them to be critical thinkers. I want to outsource um, their brain. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, um, what does, cause I think that I would assume you would agree with this, that the church provides a sense of like rhythms, you know? Of yeah. Like, I miss those still. Yeah. How do you, how do you process that? Is, has anything replaced it? What, um, Ah, yeah. I mean, we are, so two years ago we moved to North Bend, which is like our house backs up to a mountain and then there's a river in between our house and the mountain. So Mm -hmm. nature has become really important to us. Um, you know, I like to help the kids have experiences where they can have a sense of awe and wonder. And for me, that's being in the woods. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot, that sort of thing. Um, you know, Jay and I are both complete nerds. And so we do you know, we do a lot of board games, with the, like we have kind of family traditions that we have set up. Yeah. And we also, um, we just, we're very fortunate in our community of friends. You know, we have people in their lives that they see regularly, um, a little bit less regularly this past year, but we have good people in our lives who invest in our kids and who care about them. And mm. um, yeah, so that part of it's been really nice. You know, I, I have friends who like kind of pivoted from Christianity into being like, they kind of jumped to something new um, in terms of like spirituality. They went hardcore into any number of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I found pretty quickly that that just wasn't going to work. Um, I, I felt so long that I didn't have um, agency is probably the right word. I didn't have agency over what I thought and believed. I mean, I was, taught to speak in tongues when I was like 11 or 12, like late at night at a summer camp, like really pushed into the more charismatic elements. And, yeah. and, um, I never want to be in that position again, I guess, mm. you know, I, I'm super into cult documentaries lately, like during the pandemic when we're all watching TV, I'm super yeah. into cult, pan, cult uh, documentaries. And I swear there's so many things where I'm just like, oh, that hits a little too close to home. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, it's just it's a, a similar theme, know. right? Of handing over your agency. Like, as you, you mentioned before, I think is, yeah, is and being prominent in the cultish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you don't follow the line, then you are at risk of losing friendships, losing relationships, losing, you know, any number of things. Um, what's uh what's disciplines look like for you like you know back in the day we were taught to have like these like super hardcore like did you do your daily devotional and prayer and worship and journal reading and um we just you know we layered it on bible study and verse memorization and Mm -hmm. uh small groups and you know just there was just oh man every one of them was like the thing, if you're really a Christian, you'll do this, right? If you're really a Christian, you'll join a small group. If you're really a Christian, you'll do a Bible study. If you're really, you know, it was, everything was like marketed that way. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but what's... No, you're fine. <laughs> what's replaced that for you now? Or, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean obviously, I, it seems, I would assume the fundamentalism has not been replaced. At least, you know, I hope not, because that's, that's I think, probably what you and I probably collectively have rejected the most, right? The fundamentalism yeah. behind some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. I'll stop talking. What? <laughs> no, what's I'm, that, what's I'm glad like you're talking. You? <laughs> um, so I like to joke that I go to the church of Brene Brown. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, 
Justin had seen a TED talk, like her first TED talk. And he said, Stace, you need to watch this lady. Like she is speaking your language. Yeah. And so I think part of it has been finding, uh, you know, honestly, as I was tiptoeing out of faith, it was authors and writers and artists who kind of helped me tiptoe out. You know, it started with, um, you know, actually at Northwest, you know, uh, even reading like C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce Mm -hmm. and thinking about heaven and hell in a different way. Like that just felt like, whoa, this is way out there. And it was C.S. Lewis for Pete's sake. And then I feel like Philip Yancey was the beginning of Slippery Slope for me. The Jesus I never knew blew my mind. Wait a second. You mean you're questioning something? Wrecked me. (laughs) Yeah, there was... There was Philip Yancey's um, uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. Then there was No Perfect People Allowed, Mm -hmm. which was like open towards, you know, gay people at church and like welcoming people. And I was like, oh, we're doing this wrong. Like, so as I was, you know, and then... um, Let's not totally hate them. (laughs) Yeah. Let's (laughs) let's just say we hate the sinner, not the sinner. Um, (laughs) Then there was Rob Bell and Love Wins and, Mm -hmm. and... and uh and david bazan's song um if you if you haven't listened to bearing witness please do it'll blow your mind in all the best ways okay um you know let go of what you know and honor what exists i'm like oh poop i'm wrecked um so yeah i i find a lot of value in um seeking out people who are thinking about ways to be good humans, you know, that's kind of what we say at home is like, you know, be good humans today. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't need God to be able to say, be kind to others, be, you know, be friendly, be a friend. Um, But yeah, I seek out writers uh, and, you know, speakers and stuff like that. And artists who, who I think are meaningfully engaging with the challenges of life. Um, I don't really have like a strict, I mean, honestly, I'm like, this year is the first year that I've had all three kids out of the house for more than two hours at a time. I I thought that would happen last year. And instead all the kids ended up at home with me. (laughs) So part of this time for me right now is defining what my next kind of chunk. I mean, obviously I'm still a mother and I'm still really involved, but um, kind of defining what this next chapter of my life looks like in terms of work and personal growth and all that sort of thing. I kind of feel like this is the first time I've actually had to really think about that in, you know, a long time, or at least not think about it and then be immediately interrupted by whatever child crisis is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Even this podcast, like even having this conversation would not have been possible like six months ago. So I'm really (laughs) thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to both my kids are in school right now. And so that's why the house is nice and quiet and brilliant. I hear my own footsteps in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like I notice my own sounds and I'm like, holy. <laughs> is there anything else? Um, I hope you know that the spirit in which I intend this question, because it's not, I mean, I think one of the things I've enjoyed the most about our friendship is, is, um, is there's no sense of like trying to convert anybody to anything. And there's mm-hmm. no sense of superiority. Um, and, and there's no, like, gosh, I've completely lost any sense of um, uh, eternal consequences for what we believe. I just think that's just, yeah. it's just really, well, frankly, it's toxic, I think, um, the way I think. Anyways, the, way, the only reason I frame that is because I don't, I want you to, to know that I don't mean this as a, um, 
as a way of showing to people, the listeners that see she's regretting being an atheist. Like that's just such bullshit. And I just don't even, you know, like I, I, I admire you far too much to even go down that road. Cause, it's, cause I don't think that's a, true anyway. And there is a lot of trust between us. You can ask okay. whatever you want. And I'm Sorry. Good. That was a hell of a premise. Um, I'm like, what is he going to ask? <laughs> is, there anything, <laughs> is there anything else you miss? Uh, I, I miss, honestly, I miss the music part. Like uh, you probably remember back in the day I was a worship yeah. leader. And so I'm, I really miss making music with other people. That was just, it was a transcendent experience. Like even if you take, you know, the worship and the spirituality, the spirituality of it, I miss making music. Um, we ended up getting a piano, uh, like somebody was getting rid of a piano. So we got a piano. So I've been playing that a little bit and kind of tiptoeing back into that. Um, so I miss that. Definitely. I miss the rhythm of, um, uh, kind of that sense of, you know, as my old youth pastor would have said, doing life together. I miss that sense of like mm. every Sunday you're together with people that you care about. Um, I miss kind of the holidays sometimes. Um, Christmas was always really big at the church. Um, I don't miss Easter because I always felt like a garbage human for having to cause Jesus to kill himself on the cross or whatever. Like I always felt tons of guilt, but I do miss some of, I mean, some parts of church can be really beautiful. Um, and I think part of, part of, you know, the, the work that I'm doing now is trying to figure out ways to um, still celebrate and, and build like special, meaningful traditions with my family outside of that. Cause I grew up all with all of my traditions tied into church, you know, my yeah. closest friendships were at church and in youth group. Um, you know, I might have a few friends at, at school, but mostly it was people in the church. So, mm. you know, I, I would never lie and say that, um, that when I did kind of admit to myself and to people that I was close to that I did not believe it wasn't like there was no cost. I just got lucky and that I got to keep my parents. Um, yeah. So there is cost, you know, there's, there's friendships that I think um, that, that I've probably lost and, and I have to kind of be at peace with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way that you can grow up in the church and then turn your back on it and not come across as like an ungrateful spoiled brat. Mm. Um, you know, I, or that you're like trying to threaten what people believe. Um, but I, you know, I, uh, just like you were saying, you know, I'm not interested in converting anybody. It's more like, you know, I want, I wish that I could have been freed up from some of the fears I had about not being able to be a moral person or not being able to raise kind kids. Or mm-hmm. I, I just want to be somebody who can kind of encourage people to, like if it's the fear that's keeping you in, then I'd like to be an example of like being at peace and being like pretty, pretty stinking fulfilled with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it perfect? No, but I, I finally feel like my values and my intellect are in line with each other. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly valuable. Like that to me is worth what I've lost in the church. Like being able to not have to try and force what I've seen with my own eyes and lived in my own experience 
and the people that I've encountered, not having to try and force that into a very old and inflexible line of thinking. I actually experience a lot of peace now. Like for the first few years, it was hard, but now I don't, it's, it's not hard anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people that like, you know, if you're super happy with your faith situation where you're at, like, just let me roll right on by. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to wreck that for you. Yeah, yeah. But if you're one of those people that like me was like lying awake at night and really wrestling with, can I really believe this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fear of other people or, or, you know, losing the good stuff. Like I was talking about the good stuff earlier. Yeah. I, I want to be an example of, you know, you, a lot of that is a lie. Yeah. Um, and you can't have the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, this is like, I got to land the plane here, but you, no, totally, you're good. you totally sparked a, um, a thought for me that oh, let's see if I can land it here. Um, <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned how, uh, you know, that, uh, the church's tendency to maybe to see people that grew up in the church for a long time as, as, and then reject it or, or walk away from it, I guess, maybe not reject it. It's too harsh of a word um, as being ungrateful. Right. And mm-hmm. there's a similar dynamic, I think in uh, black entertainment, black, black, um, black sports, uh, mm-hmm. black athletes um, of like, Oh, they should just be grateful for what they yes. have. And it's mm-hmm. both are built upon the false assumption that, that there is a baked in sense of poverty or um, paternalism that like yes, we look what much. we did for you and you would be nothing mm-hmm. without us. And mm-hmm. um, that I think you, um, and so no wonder it's a bit threatening because it's like, wait, you don't need us. Like you have, you found your own sense of personal power and, and um, dignity and value um, outside then yeah, it's threats the whole threatens the whole system um it whether the whole system yeah the systemic well, racial, and, racial system or the uh christian um system yeah anyway so well, there's probably like, some holes like we could you touch come that, up but. you know and you do really have to reckon with am i this just crazy prideful person like am mm-hmm. i just being a jerk like it, it when you're taught not to trust your own instincts um or that your instincts are only good as long as they follow a prescribed path. Mm. When you start to sort of assert your agency, when you start to say, no, I, ex- I very much, you know, early on in my journey of stepping out, it was like, I accept this. Like I'm totally on board. Love your neighbor. Yes, I'm in. But you start to reject other things. That's frowned upon, you know, like yeah. it's really, really frowned upon. And um, so you, and you do feel like, you do feel very like um, like you're a little bit too smart for your own good. You know, mm, it's that mm-hmm. you, you question, you know, am I, am I just being like super stuck up and I think I'm above the company? Like what, what is really driving this? Um, it is interesting. I, I feel like the, the pipeline of, um, oh, you just don't really know the Bible too. Um, <laughs> three Bible degrees later, oh, knowledge puffs up, Kyle. <laughs> that Absolutely. pipeline is like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, it was a, it was a lose, lose. There's no like, winning. <laughs> There's no winning. Yeah. You know, and I think it just, it's just like anything else. It takes practice to become comfortable reckoning with your faith and deciding, you know, what to toss, what to keep, what can I keep? Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I first kind of 
for lack of a better term, came out to my mom. She asked a question that I wish she wouldn't have asked, but she asked it. So I was honest. She's, you know, I said, mom, I'm the same exact person that I was 10 minutes ago before this conversation, two years ago. I'm the same exact person as I was before. Same values, same heart. I believe different things about how we're, how we got here and what happens after we die. Other than that, I'm essentially the same person with the same framework. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I still think she'd prefer that I was a Christian still. And I think that would make her sleep easier at night, but I think she has seen over time, like our family unit is stable. You know, my husband and I are good partners. We're raising kind kids, you know, in some ways our lives are, they're far from perfect, but in some ways they are directly countering that notion that you can't do any of those things without the church. Um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with challenging that, that power structure. I'm very comfortable with that. I feel like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit of an FU to a lot of the lies that I was told as a kid. <laughs> well, it's empowering to you and it invites a purifying of the institution if it will take it. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 a humbling of the institution if, uh, and, and an equalizing of power. Um, yes in the institution, if, if, if the institution chooses to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of my, um, one of my favorite mentors, even from my church days, he was the one that married Justin and I, like he's remained my friend, even though I'm a little heathen now, you know, he was like, Stace, you're a canary in a coal mine. Like you call out the toxicity where you find it, like you're really sensitive to it and you, you call it out and he said, it also means you have a tendency to die, but <laughs> mm-hmm. like, cause the canaries always sense the poison and they raise the alarm and then they die. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like not having to constantly feel that sense of like, this is wrong, but it's endorsed by the church. Like I just, yeah. Like I said earlier, just having things in alignment for myself really means a lot. Um, It doesn't mean that my struggle's over by any means. Um, But in general, that battle to be able to own what I believe about the world and what I believe about the people in it, Mm -hmm. that battle I feel like has been fought. And I, I'm so grateful that I was in a place where I was able to do that without losing my marriage, without losing some of my key relationships. Like I'm more grateful than ever for those, I think. Mm-hmm. it's good talking to you it was good talking to you too Kyle thank you so much for doing this yeah you've been threatening to make me do a podcast with you forever <laughs> so I'm glad it finally happened <laughs> it's about damn time Patrick's gonna be pissed <laughs> I know Ooh, don't tell him we'll just keep it our secret <laughs> oh, all right Stacy. thanks a lot um, thanks Kyle I learned a ton appreciate it listening to the not quite compassion podcast it'd mean the world to me if you took the time to rate uh, and review leave a little comment on itunes or spotify about the podcast tell us what you like about it and it really helps with the ranking of it and for more people to be able to find it 
Um, also, if you have any questions about the podcast or suggestion or something, um, go ahead and just email me. It's uh, Kyle Dean Reynolds at gmail.com. Simple as that. So K-Y-L-E-D-E-A-N-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. Kyle Dean Reynolds at gmail.com. Uh, or you can always reach out to me on the socials uh, at, at Kyle Reynolds on Twitter. Thanks. Thanks.